Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season to all of you this Monday, July the 25th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 40. It continues with the story of the account of Joseph. And now, previous to this, we've heard about dreams, but they really haven't been interpreted. Like they've been assumed that Joseph, when he had his dreams, his brothers got upset. But now they actually are, he's interpreting dreams, which is interesting because I remember in college looking at dreams that I loved those parts of the psychology class where you talked about dreams. Oh, it could mean this. It could mean that, mean this. And at the end of the day, I remember I was like, but I still don't know. Like I could talk all day about this and I still at the end of the day don't know. But obviously we need to look at this appropriately according to scripture, appropriately according to Christ and the gifts and the salvation that we have with him and also appropriately as we speak and witness to people in everyday lives. And this is a great text to do it. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Nick Koshman of Saint, uh, excuse me, Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Forest Grove, Oregon. Pastor Koshman, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be here to catch up with you a little bit and to dig into God's Word with you. Yeah, Pastor, it's uh, great to have you back. A few things. First of all, last time I had you on, which I believe was in February, uh, that uh, I said Oak Grove, Forest Park. I think I think I threw a few other trees in there. So today I got the name of your town right. I just, I just said Saint instead of Mount. So there's something about when we get together that I can't quite get the names right. What do you think? Uh, yeah, there's got to be something, but you know what? You'll, you'll have a couple of times through this broadcast to hopefully get it right at least once. <laughs> there we go. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Pastor, we saw each other at the Nash Youth Gathering. Uh, how would it go for you your, and your youth? I know you have some of your children with you as well. Any, any, uh, just a short snippet on how that went for you and your group. Yeah, it was a, a phenomenal experience. I'm so grateful to all of the people at the the. the national office and all of the volunteers who, who put it on uh it, it was great i uh, haven't been in a couple of times and it was a new experience this year in that i wasn't the primary adult leader uh i was just one of the people along for the ride helping out where i could uh also i had a much smaller group this year uh, uh being at a different church we only had four kids and half of the kids were mine uh so it was a new experience in, in that way and just uh awesome to be able to you know they have seen me go off to the national youth gathering with the other big kids, but this time the two of them uh, were, were the big kids who were going on. Uh, yeah, and just great to see friends from uh, Concordia River Forest, from the seminary, from different places I've served. Also to run into some people that, you know, pastor friends that I'm Facebook friends with uh, that I've never actually met in real life and be like, hey, you are actually real and uh, I get to see you. Uh, mm. So that that was uh, fun as well. Also, uh, Group we took, uh, we tried to get a, a picture of a church from every single state um, uh, in, in the country. Uh, so it was cool to see all those different churches and to try to have our kids hunt them down. We also got uh, churches from three different countries from Hungary, from Brazil, and from Germany, and we're excited to 
share those pictures with our congregation just to see how big uh, and, and massive and vast that event was. Um, yeah, it just great, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, Pastor, I appreciate that because it is something. You see all these people, form, you know, friends that you've had in the past and, and new friends that you will make and then the connection, the worldwide reality. And that's why they don't call it the National Youth Gathering anymore. They just call it the Youth Gathering because – it incorporates people from all over the world, which, which is more reflective of what is happening at that gathering. So we thank God for that. And what brings all of us together is God's word. So this morning, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? Yes. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and another opportunity to dig into your word. As we look at the story of Joseph and we see your hand at work in his life, uh, we, we thank you for your faithfulness and uh, for the opportunity to see how you are also at work in our lives and you continue to be faithful uh, to us as well. So be with us as we uh, dig into your word. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text, which is Genesis chapter 40, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to read the whole thing. This is, when people think of Joseph, they, they think, you know, there's many different stories that they will remember. And this is a part that I think people remember. But also, if you were to ask us a story and give a review, we might skip quite a few very important aspects of this. And I think chapter 40 is one of those. So I'm going to read all of chapter 40. Uh, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We hear the word of God. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord and king and the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We've had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not, in, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house." For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. 
In the uppermost basket, there are all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer into his position and placed the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. This is the word of our Lord this morning. Pastor, how do you want to start us off and for introductions? I, I love this passage. I think a lot of people like this passage because, as, as you mentioned in the intro, we, we can be fascinated by dreams and trying mm. to interpret them and what does this mean. And so not only do we see these really interesting dreams, but we also get the interpretation of them. And, uh, and so, you know, you know, you've mentioned trying to interpret some dreams or what do these things mean? I don't know if you've had any recurring dreams, but Mm-hmm. You know, I used to have this dream and I occasionally still have it that, you know, I'm back in, in college uh, mm. or I'm at the seminary and finals week is rolling around. And that's when I finally realized that, like, on the bottom half of my schedule, there's a class that apparently I was enrolled in, but I never knew about. And yeah. I haven't been going to class at all. And so I've got <laughs> paper to do or I've got, uh, you know, the, the final to, to study for. And there's only a couple of days, and obviously, you know. Some people would say, well, that just means you've got too much on your plate or you're worried about dropping something. And so I think we can, you know, sometimes interpret some of our own dreams. uh, But here we actually get to see what the dream actually means because Joseph tells us and we also see the dream uh, uh, taking place. You know what I've had? Oh, my goodness. I've had similar dreams where you are... (laughs) And sometimes it makes me wonder when I reflect on those dreams where you haven't got your homework done or you can't get to class or you can't run away fast enough, those kind of dreams. I remember a lot of times I'll wake up and think, you know, how did I get through college? How did I get through seminary anyways? (laughs) Because it it is pretty taxing when you think through it, but it it is amazing, those dreams. But we're always left without interpretation, which makes this so fascinating. And throughout the Bible, here's the other thing. Throughout the Bible, there's a lot of dreams. Any thoughts about that as we look at the dreams we have this morning? Yeah, so in, in Scripture, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see God speaking to people through dreams. We see he speaks to, to Jacob. He speaks, you know, uh, well, here to, to the, the servants, uh, but he's also spoken to, to Joseph, to Solomon, to Daniel. In the New Testament, you know, he appears uh, to, to Joseph in, in a dream. And then also, you know, we're told that Potiphar's wife has this, you know, has mm-hmm. this dream about having nothing to do uh, with, with Jesus. And so we're kind of left with cases. Uh, we are actually told, yes, God appeared to this person in a dream. God had a message for them. But we also get warnings about dreams in Deuteronomy 13 and in Jeremiah 23 for times that that. God warns, hey, there might be prophets that come and say, I have dreamed a dream, and they'll tell you the dream and try to use that dream to, to carry people away or to tempt people away. Uh, and, and God warns us about that. So 
we, we should, you know, approach dreams with a, a little bit of humility and say, okay, I might not know this, or I think maybe God's trying to give me a message, but, you know, to be careful where we're placing our trust. Uh, but here, like I said earlier, we not only see the dream, we get to hear what the interpretation of the dream is, and we also see that dream come to reality uh, and Joseph's interpretation uh, coming true. And here's, and here's the unique thing, and I love how you said that. We have to be careful with our hope and dreams because in, in, in recent history, and I've heard this just some interactions with people who used to be a part of the Islamic faith, uh, Muslim, and they, they had a dream. And they had a dream where Jesus, uh, they're all obviously different, but they all have some kind of similarity that Jesus is, is calling them to himself. And that was a beginning point of their realization of Christianity and, and forgiveness and salvation in Jesus and the blood of the blood of Jesus saving them from their sins. And it's been fascinating because there's a few pastors I know, one in the Missouri Synod who was a, a Muslim from the Middle East, and he's and he made it very clear because I was really struggling with this. I was like, how do we look at that? I mean, we're just not used to that language and and we don't talk that way usually. And he said, here's the deal: we always emphasize, even within these groups that that is not your hope like the dream is not where you say that is where my salvation lies no your hope is in what scripture says and then he pointed me to this chapter and this chapter and said see god did work through that but that was never the end of the story you know joseph didn't go back and stand before his brothers and said i had a dream and therefore i know the lord is real no he he stood before them and talked about the lord and 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 we see christ through all this and so if it contradicts the bible then that dream is something we have to really wonder about. But in cases, God is using those dreams. Any thoughts on that or any of your experiences? Yeah, that I, in some ways, I, I think of it like, uh, you know, the, the genre of books, of like the, the heaven tourism books, you know, that where mm. people claim to have died and gone to heaven. And it, it's always tough to say like, no, that didn't happen or you were wrong in this. Uh, because I, I don't know what that person's experience was, but it does put you in an awkward position. Like, are you, if someone's claiming to have had a dream from God, well, what if I disagree with you about the interpretation of the dream? Am I not just disagreeing with you? Am I disagreeing with God now as well? Am I on the wrong side of this? And yeah, the whole point of where are we placing our trust, uh, Again, going back to the heaven tourism books, I, I always kind of feel a little sad when I hear, you know, somebody read one of those and go, oh, this just really solidified my faith. Or now I really believe this. It's like, wait, that that book is what made you really believe, not the testimony of, of the prophets and of the apostles and of, of God's, you know, re revealed word. Like, that wasn't enough. You needed this. And I think of, you know, maybe you've had the experience of somebody who's had a loved one pass away and maybe they have a dream. And they say, oh, in my dream, I saw, you know, grandma with Jesus uh, in heaven. And now I am at peace. And I know that that grandma is with Jesus. And it's like, wait, did it, did it take that dream to, to solidify your, your faith in work for your grandma and, and, and the faith that, that your grandma had in Christ? Instead, I think it would be almost better to, again, not deny that, that maybe that dream came from God. But instead of saying, now I know this perhaps saying, I am so grateful that God gave me that dream to reinforce what I already knew, that, that grandma had, has been washed clean in the blood of land and that grandma is at peace with him. And God gave me this dream to 
give me that additional piece, perhaps. You know, that God, yeah, might be speaking through dreams, but let's also make sure we are going back to our foundation of, of his revealed word uh, to us. And that's and that and that just reminds us where do we always go back to, which is God's word. And if it distracts us from the cross, uh, just like Galatians, it says, even if an angel comes to you with a different gospel, we have to make sure that we don't place our hope in that. So, uh, Pastor, I'm ready to start digging in a little bit at a time. Anything else you want to highlight? No, I'm 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 ready to jump in. All right, here we go. Chapter forty, and uh, and once again, this is right after Joseph and Potiphar's wife, which just I, you feel like everything is going just great, everything is going wonderful, and boom, he's back in jail. And once again, we believe that God continues to work in our lives, and this is a true testament to that. So, verse one, chapter forty. Sometime after this. The cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in his custody." So we're setting the scene here, Pastor. Set it up for us. Yeah, so as you mentioned, this column, it says sometime after this, and the after this is the, you know, the little unpleasantness that happened with uh, Potiphar's wife. And so Joseph is in jail now, and we don't know the exact amount of time, but it's, yeah, at some point after this. And it's interesting that Joseph still kind of has somewhat of, of a position with, within the prison that he's, you know, tasked with taking care of the, the cupbearer and the baker. So, you know, that might speak to whether or not Potiphar fully believes his wife's tale, but, you know, just to kind of save face, still has to throw Joseph in prison. But we're introduced to the, the, the two characters, the cupbearer and, and the baker, and we're told that they committed an offense against their Lord. Now, this could be, you know, we're not told what this offense was. It could be, you know, who knows, something as simple as a, a you know, fly fell into the cup of wine or the baker burnt the bread. Right. Uh, uh, other people, you know, suggest that there was perhaps a plot against Pharaoh's life, and these two were suspected of being a part of that plot to either poison the wine or the food or something. For whatever reason, Pharaoh is unhappy with these two people, and they are thrown into prison. And, and we're told there in, in verse 2 that they're not just any cupbearer or any baker, that they are the chief cupbearer and the mm. chief uh, baker. But they are uh, placed in the prison and they are under the care uh, of, of Joseph. So as we look at that, it, it, I, as far as I know, uh, my church doesn't have a cupbearer. They did not have a, a chief baker, maybe a chief baker. You know, there always seemed to be somebody like that, but I never had a cupbearer. As far as I know, President Biden doesn't have a cupbearer. Uh, any thoughts on what that job would have entailed? Uh, whether it was to procure the wine or just to oversee uh, what, that, yeah, that they had uh, authority over the drinks and the food uh, that, that would be brought to the king. So again, if there, let's just say there, there was a plot against his life, you know, that would be, if you were trying to do that, the chief cupbearer, that would be probably somebody you'd want on your side to perhaps slip a little something uh, into Pharaoh's wine. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, because my understanding from what I read is 
not only did they kind of monitor the drinks or monitor the wine, but it's kind of one of those things where, well, that cupbearer took the drink first and then gave it to the king. And so if the cupbearer dies, well, okay, don't drink that one. Um, then we need a new chief, chief cupbearer, right? Um, but it was a job that was uh, important, but also had a little bit of risk to it. And probably the baker as well. He probably had to taste the food beforehand, which sounds pretty good at first until you start thinking there might be somebody who wants to poison the food. Yeah. So it is a, it's a pretty sacrificial job. It's a pretty high-end job that this person took very serious. So it's, it's just so different than anything we have nowadays. Any other last thoughts on uh, the first four verses? No, I, well, other than it, uh, verse four ending with, they continued for some time in custody. So again, we don't have an exact timeline on these things. We don't know how long Joseph had been in prison before uh, encounters the cupbearer and the baker, and we don't know exactly how long they are in prison before they have the dreams that they have. It's just some period of time, but they've been in there for a little while. It could be a couple of days, could be a year. Uh, who knows? But eventually they have these dreams. So let's continue on because we're just setting up the stage for the rest here. Verses 5, and we'll go all the way through 15. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? And they said, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, the blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearers. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do to me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh so to get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen from the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Pastor, with about a minute and a half left in our time, can you... Can you break this down? Because we got one dream, and now the question is, who can interpret this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so we're told that they're kind of bummed out because they have nobody to interpret the dream. Now, whether they would have had somebody to interpret them if they had not been in prison, should they have gone to you know, one of the, uh, the, the spiritualists that, that could have helped interpret their dream, but they are uh, uh, robbed of that because they are in prison. I think one the just one thing to point out before we go to the break uh, is it, it, we're told that they both had dreams, but each with its own interpretation. Mm. We've seen, you know, multiple dreams that, you know, that Joseph had that were both pointed towards the same thing. This idea of uh, his brothers bowing down before him or not to get you know, too far ahead uh, with, with Pharaoh's dreams of the, you know, reinforcing this idea of the, the, the famine. It's, we get two different dreams. And they each have very, very different interpretations, uh, but Joseph is able to interpret both of them. 
And so, Pastor, as we look at this, we'll talk more about this on the other side of our break, but it really comes down to this. How can God interpret this dream, and what was God up to? So but right now, we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 40 with Pastor Nick Koshman, and we'll be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 40 with Pastor Nick Koshman of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Forest Grove, Oregon. As we look at this <laughs> text today, we got it this time. You, you're exactly right. So, Pastor, it, an interesting, so they're bummed out. They, they can't interpret it. And Joseph says, well, that belongs to God. And if you and I were to say that, well, that belongs to God, there'd be that awkward, like, Kind of, you know, crickets in the background, like, okay, all right, well, okay, who, who's going to talk now? <laughs> What's going to happen here? And he's right. God is one who interprets these. Um, but somewhere along the line, all of a sudden, how did Joseph know that he's supposed to interpret it from for God? Any, any thoughts or God gave him this gift? Yeah, it's kind of a bold claim of, of Joseph to make. But I guess uh, if you had the history that Joseph has had of dreams and interpretations also, you know, if you do know that God had given that to you, I guess you are able to make that uh, that bold claim. And I, I think it's interesting that, you know, uh, verse six, it says, you know, Joseph came to them in the morning and he saw that they were troubled. And he, and he asked, them, why are you downcast? But it's amazing, Joseph, being able to, you know, keep moving forward and to remain upbeat. I think if I had, you know, been sold into slavery and then gotten out of things and then been thrown back into prison, yeah, I'd be kind of bummed out. And if somebody else was bummed out in prison, I, I don't know that I would have the the energy to care. <laughs> you know, you've got mm -hmm. your problems. Mm -hmm. I've got my problems. But here we see Joseph being concerned with these men's problems. Um, and he asked them about it. And, and yeah, and they uh, they share their, their dreams with him. Uh, and, and I think uh, there are a couple of interesting things about the dreams. I, I, that how God uses in their dreams imagery that both the cupbearer and the baker would be familiar with. Uh, you know, there's not just random imagery or a random sign, but the cupbearer is given the stream and there's a vine and there's the branches and the buds. And then we get these clusters of grapes that he has. And then the whole imagery of him, uh, you know, that he's got the cup in his hand and he presses the wine into it and gives the, the cup to Pharaoh. Uh, that it's, those are all things that, that he would be, uh, familiar with um, uh, in his dream, and here and here's what's interesting to me as you say that because you're right. There's this the, the imagery that he uses. The uh, he obviously is you know he's upbeat. Who knows why? That's one thing that's very really interesting about Joseph. He seems to always be willing to serve, and may we always be willing to serve, even when things are not aligning up correctly. Is that he? Uh, it reminds me of this. If somebody were to come to you and say, I can interpret dreams, 
there's a certain amount of pessimism that would overcome my soul. But for whatever reason, God gave him that ability then. And how do we look at that today that when so, if someone were to come to us and say, well, I have the ability to interpret dreams. What do we do with that, Pastor Koshman? What would you encourage our listeners with? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm kind of with, with you on that, that it's hard to not be cynical and just say, okay, yeah, that's great. And yeah, I, I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to dismiss anybody. I also want to allow God to be God. And if God did give somebody a dream, uh, first of all, who am I to say, no, he didn't. But I think it's that idea of always going back to God's word and saying, okay, is this reinforcing it? And if it's reinforcing it, well, God's word was sufficient enough. I don't need that dream of yours to reinforce it. But if God did you give you this dream that is reinforcing something that's already been revealed in his word, well, then I'm glad that you have had that experience that, that reinforces this. But I would hope that, that your your trust and your foundation would be built on God's word and not on your dream or your experience or your emotion uh, from that. Also, you know, these, these dreams that these men have and in their interpretation, uh, they're not, you know, people enjoy reading their own horoscopes. And it's always interesting when you read somebody who, or you come across somebody who is really into these things. A couple nights ago, I was, you know, around a campfire with some friends and another neighbor came over and she's talking all about these horoscopes. Now, I know all the different signs, but apparently there's stuff within, like even whatever sign you have, that if it's on this part of the month or that part of the month or the water one. And I was like, whoa, this person actually believes these things. Uh, but if you look at the horoscopes so often that are in the newspaper or whatever, they're so vaguely worded that you could make them mean anything or you could, you know, interpret your experience through them. If we look at these dreams, they are incredibly specific. Uh, first of all, there's the time frame. It's not, oh, at some point this is going to happen. Joseph says the three branches are three days. Guess what? After four days, we'll know whether or not Joseph's interpretation mm -hmm. was correct. Also, his interpretation of the action that would take place is very concrete. It wouldn't be something good will happen or something strange will happen. He says, he says the three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. So that is a very, this is going to happen in this time frame. Well, if it doesn't, we know Joseph is a false prophet. And, or a false dream interpreter, and we should completely dismiss him. And that's what we see in God's word, again, in uh, his warnings in the book of Jeremiah or in Deuteronomy, that if someone is saying these things, and guess what? They don't come to pass. That person's a false prophet. Uh, but but Joseph, you know, obviously he did have the interpretation from God, and we, we see it play out. And you're exactly right, that there's a, there's a time limit to these. So within a few days, you'll know for sure. The other part that's interesting, and, I, and I'm trying to filter through this myself, is at the end of the day, was Joseph promoting his own ability or was he glorifying God? And clearly, he starts this whole thing by saying, do not interpretations belong to God. So this was not about Joseph. Although, mm -hmm. although he does say, hey, this is the interpretation. 
if this comes true, just remember me, you know, uh, just remember me so I can get out of this prison because I'm not supposed to be here. So he's not, he's definitely not promoting himself saying, since I've done this good thing, why don't you do this for me? He's, he's asking that, can you just have mercy on me because I'm not supposed to be here. And so can you at least remember me a little bit? You know, there's definitely humility for Joseph as he's going through this, as opposed to I've conquered, I know it all, you should bow to me. It was totally a humble spirit that he had been given in faith as well. Any, any other thoughts on these verses? It's good stuff. Yeah, that, that, that this interpretation, yeah, he's saying it, it, it's coming from God. And he's not afraid, like you mentioned, to, to use the situation to say, hey, when this does come to pass, you know, please help me out. First of all, he's, you know, not above asking for help from others. And I, I, I don't think that you could use this as a proof text for God helps those who help themselves. This is an example of Joseph helping himself. But at the same time, Joseph isn't just sitting around waiting for God to get him out of prison. He's saying like he is using what God has given him, this ability to interpret dreams and the people that God has placed in his life, this cupbearer to say, Hey, by the way, when you are lifted back up to this position, please remember me. And as we see, that doesn't happen right away. It does not. It was not. And, and you're, you're very sympathetic. He, he, now he's almost like he's grieving. In verse 15, For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. This is as close to a lament or an anger that I think we get with Joseph. And I might be proven wrong because, you know, I've read Genesis many times, but yet I always miss it. And this is a part that I hadn't quite noticed that this is as close as we get to like angry Joseph or frustrated Joseph or lamenting Joseph in all of yeah, uh, the story. So any thoughts on that? I found that interesting. Well, yeah, just, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I had completely thought about it in that way, as just being a unique thing from Joseph, but yeah, there is a bit of the, uh, airing of the grievances that's going on here he said there is a bit of a kind of and not a a woe is like woe is me everybody feel bad for me but just a by the way here is the situation i was sold into slavery and guess what i've done nothing here like i've only been doing really good things while i was here and i don't deserve to a be in egypt to begin with but also be to be in, in in prison because yeah that stuff that happened back in chapter 39 wasn't my fault uh, but but yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. Well, Pastor, we've gotten through this interpretation, and this one sounds pretty good. Like, if I were to go through this interpretation and I was the chief cupbearer, you hear that interpretation, you said, Man, that's that's good stuff. This this gets into that health and wealth type of reality. Is like, all right, you know, he then he's going to have a whole list of people coming up to him and saying, interpret my dream. I got a dream too. Do you have a dream? I have a dream. Hear about this one. So we just stop right here. This sounds pretty good. This this Joseph guy interprets dreams really well. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah. So you you wonder what the the cupbearer has got to be feeling like. It is the is he excited or is he, you know, uh, is he like uh, uh, Red in uh, Shawshank Redemption, where, uh, you know, hope is a dangerous thing? Uh, that, that is, is, he, is he worried about being hopeful? Like, hey, in three days, I'm going to get out of here. Or does he not want to get too hopeful? Because what happens if this Joseph guy who, again, you don't really have much of a relationship with other than being in prison with him and him offering to, with the help of God, interpret your dream. But but he gets this good news and, you know, yeah, like 
that's a message I would want to hear in three days. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting my job back. And so that's, <laughs> you can imagine the, the chief baker kind of sitting off to the side, you know, feeling bad about being in prison, maybe feeling guilty if, again, he was involved in some sort of plot or he had done something to truly anger the king. But, you know, perhaps after this really positive interpretation, he, he may have been thinking, hey, that's a, a little bit like my dream, you know, this three thing and, and whatnot. So, hey, uh, that was a good interpretation. Hey, Joseph, do mine. Me next, me next, me next. Uh, so, yeah, so in verse 16, it says, uh, he comes up to Joseph and says, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets. And, again, this is using imagery, God's using imagery that the baker would be familiar with, with these uh uh, cake baskets, although his dream is a, a little bit different mm. uh, than the the cupbearers. Rather than the cake baskets being in his hands and him having control of them, for some reason, uh, they were on his head. Now, I don't know if he normally would have balanced all those baskets on his head, but they're on his head. And the uppermost basket, and there's all sorts of baked food, uh, but the birds uh, were eating it. Again, I, I don't know if he kind of saw the differences in the interpretations where the cupbearer, yeah, part of his job would have been to get that wine to put it in the cup and to give it. And, and with the, with the, the baker, if you're on your way to bring bread to, to Pharaoh and birds are snatching it, that's, that's not ideal. You don't want that happening. Um, no. But he shares his dream with Joseph, and Joseph says, uh, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. And so, again, a very concrete interpretation not vagaries not well you know something negative might happen at at some point in the near future no there is if, if this hasn't happened in three days joseph is wrong he says in three days pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you and i i like that joseph is able to to share both of these dreams because i think you know, when we look at the idea of, of law and gospel, and, and we love to share the gospel, we want to talk about all the good things of Jesus. Jesus wants this for you, and Jesus wants that for you. But sometimes we can shy away from sharing the law or sharing uncomfortable truths or, hey, I've got bad news. Ah, well, you know, let's kind of tiptoe around this and, and you know, kind of soft play it a little bit. And Joseph doesn't hear, doesn't do that here. He has this revelation from God. Uh, it's not great news for the baker. And Joseph just lets the interpretation be the interpretation. He says, three days? Yeah, Pharaoh's going to lift up your head. Literally. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. And uh, so, again, I, I think you got the cupbearer, like, you know, maybe being cautiously optimistic, like, oh, I really hope this is happening. And the cup and the baker probably being like, ah, oh, this guy's, you know, full of nonsense anyway. And who? Who, who's even able to interpret dreams? What is this bum now? Um, but uh, yeah, once again, so Joseph will be proven right and accurate in his interpretation. It does make you wonder about a number of things. First of all, what was on the face of this chief baker? He answers, I mean, just just go through it. Just go through the emotional roller coaster. This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. He's listening. You know what? That's pretty good. I was I was hanging out with the cup air, and it was three days for him too. So clearly, this is always going to end up well. And in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head. Well, you know, I mean, we do. You know, we sing that song, Pastor. It's like, and he will lift me up on eagles' wings. Maybe that's what he's talking about. You know, that's pretty good. From you, 
Well, Boom, and it's know? the same. It's the same language that he uses uh, in verse thirteen. Yeah, he does. You're right. Pharaoh will lift up your head. Pharaoh will lift up your head. And the other one says, <laughs> and, and restore you, you. You wonder if there was like that. Yeah, and you wonder if there was that dramatic interpretation. And this, not and restore you, but from you, and you will be, you know, and he will hang you up on a tree. <laughs> in the oh. English, in the English Standard Version, it does say, "In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head." Stop there. Good way to end it. Nope. From you with an exclamation point. I did not look that part up much as far as other languages or such or emphases, um, but it definitely points us to that reality that that's the moment that the chief baker would have stopped and said, oh, no, and then yeah. and hang you on a tree. And, the, and, then, and then just to yeah. make things even worse. If is, it was like you know, one of those videos that the kids watch on the YouTube these days, like, and that's when he realized <laughs> he had messed up. Right, right. <laughs> Everything was coming together. And this, like you said, this brings the fullness of the law. The question that I know does come up as we look at this, and it always does come up for me, it would be nice to know, unfortunately God's word does not tell us, what was the sin of the chief cupbearer? What was the sin of the chief baker? Was it a, a distinction that the cupbearers, you know, was not as bad and the chief baker, it was really bad? Or was it simply just what happened why it was the way it was. Now, I'm asking questions that we will never know. You know, maybe go to heaven, we'll ask, but it probably won't be on our list. But any thoughts to that, the distinction of one to the other was seemingly no difference as far as we can tell. Yeah, we, we, we don't know. It, it could be that the cupbearer was falsely accused of something and, and that the baker was credibly accused. And after however long, and, you know, they did the investigation or whatever, and they found out, oh, hey, the cupbearer, is is innocent so we're letting him out and the baker is guilty so we're going to kill him or just hey you know what my my current cupbearer isn't really doing that good and i really miss that guy so yeah we can overlook that or was the the baker's transgression worthy of death we i mean maybe it was maybe it wasn't for whatever reason the pharaoh believed it was and so he is put to death and yeah it's just one of those it is what it is. We don't know the why uh, or the exact details. And, you know, if I, if somebody way smarter than me, you know, uh, when I, I think Dr. Pulse is writing a commentary on this section of Genesis, he might have more to say about this and I will gladly uh, read it. But for, for, for my reading through it, I'll just let the, the text be the text. And uh, yeah. And I tell you what, it's, it's one of the, the realities of this text, and we're going to have more interpretations in the next chapter, probably even more plentiful than we do in chapter 40. But it is, it is interesting to me that to, to break it down, let's break it down in this way, that if someone has a dream in today's world and somebody else interprets it, and for example, it turns into the fourth day where it didn't happen then, Pastor, where would we say that this dream came from? How would we how would we faithfully look at that as Christians to say, okay, it didn't happen, therefore it's not from God, and then you have that giant empty space that sometimes you actually ask the question, well, then where did that dream come from, or where did these words come from, or where did this message come from, and what would you how would you faithfully teach and 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 uh, uh, look at that and explain to people? 
Well, again, if, if people are talking about their own dreams, I kind of let them go. I mean, as long as they're staying in the realm of the rational, like, let them go where they want with it. I used to have this dream, or it wasn't even a, a specific dream. It just be occasionally in a dream, like, I could not open my mouth. It was almost like Neo in the Matrix movie when it like, and I just couldn't talk. And I, I, I can't remember who I talked to. They said, you're probably grinding your teeth. And I was like, oh, that makes sense that like if I was, you know, for whatever reason, while sleeping, I'm grinding my teeth. Yeah, maybe that manifested itself in my dream. Now, what, what does that mean beyond I was grinding my teeth? And if somebody has some sort of weird dream, you know, I remember, I think it was on the Cosby show when, you know, Cliff would, you know, eat a big hoagie before going to bed and he'd always have like some weird dreams. Like maybe you just ate something weird <laughs> or, you know, you were watching a movie before you went to bed. And yeah, some sort of thematic thing from that movie might manifest itself in, in your dream. You know, does that really mean I'm, you know, a part of the Lego movie and I'm going to, you know, cuckoo, whatever, Toyland? Uh <laughs> Or, or is it just, yeah, I, I saw this and it just, the images just popped up. But when we start getting into the realm of, and I think we should therefore do this. I, I, I think it, you could maybe compare it to like, you know, when you felt the call from God to go into the ministry. Well, God didn't show up to me and say, Nick, go be a pastor. But I was at Concordia River Forest studying to be a, a music ed uh, uh, major. I wanted to be a high school band director. Oh. And through a, a number of different things, like trumpet lessons weren't going so great. Uh, and uh, some really top-notch theology professors had been brought in and just, you know, I grew up in the church, grew up, you know, going to Sunday school. My youth group, my, my team always won Bible trivia. Uh, but just digging into God's Word that much, much deeper, I felt God, like, leave me there. Now, I didn't definitively say, and I am definitely going to become a pastor, but I kind of said, all right, God, I feel you leading me this way. I'm going to start walking in this direction. At any point, feel free to say, no, knucklehead, I wanted you to be an accountant or a mechanic or whatever. You know, 20 years later, he hasn't said that yet. So I think I, I, think I got that feeling and that calling from God right. But there are other people who have thought they felt that calling and got into the seminary and then said, wait, no, actually... God was calling me to do this. And so, I, again, I, I think uh, approaching it with a bit of humility and, and whether it's a dream or just a, a feeling of like, I, I feel God's putting this on my heart that, you know, we should build a new building or we should uh, send a team on a mission trip or we should whatever. It's like, okay, maybe that's God calling you to do that. But if somebody is pushing back and questioning your dream or your interpretation or your idea of where God is calling things, have a little bit of humility that if they're questioning it or they're disagreeing with you, they're not questioning God or disagreeing with God. They are just saying, hey, are you sure about that? And as we look at that, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's so many question marks. Like you said, our callings in life and, and how do we determine this? God works through people. Like you said, there's people who encourage you and it goes down to our marriages it goes down to our 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 lives and our vocations and so there's there's a we we don't deny that god doesn't work through that but also there's times we think something so hard we think i'm so i i I believe this or whatever it might be and it doesn't come true it doesn't mean god is any less true what it means is well that clearly was not the path that was not the way that was not what god had in store. And so we, we, we end up 
hopefully, and I pray that we do this, and I pray for you, our listeners, the same way, is that you're able to trust that God's going to lead you through this. A common theme throughout Genesis is that God carries his people through the difficulties, through the sin, through the brokenness, and ultimately, as we see in Christ, that he carries us as one with nail-driven hands, you know, um, that he is one that's carrying us through all of it simply by his grace. And I want, I'm going to say this, Pastor, too. I think it's the first time that I've had anyone on this program, this study, uh, quote, Shawshank Redemption, definitely the first one to quote The Matrix, and really the first one to quote The Cosby Show as well. So I, I, I am <laughs> thoroughly impressed with your references today. Plus, I really like those shows so and movies, and so I like them especially. <laughs> so, Pastor, anything else on these verses, uh, 1 through 19, that you want to highlight before we get to the end? No, I, I think I'm ready to jump into the end. All right, here we go. So we hear the, we hear the prophecies. We hear the dream interpretations. What actually happens? Verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer into his, into his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So what happened, Pastor? How, how does this end? It, yeah, they just as Joseph interpreted, they both, Pharaoh's birthday, they're having a bit of a party, uh, and both men are, their heads are lifted up, we are told, and again, kind of putting yourself into the position of the baker, I wonder what he thought when he saw the cupbearer have the cup placed back in his hand and go, oh, that one came true. Shoot. Oh, yeah. this isn't going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But yeah, but so he is uh, hanged, just as Joseph had interpreted. Um. But then we are told that yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Mm. And I wonder if, if Joseph was able to see all of this happening or just when the cupbearer and the baker were called out of prison, if Joseph just knew what was going to be happening. And you wonder if he was thinking, all right, it's going to be any day now. This guy, the cupbearer is going to remember me. He's going to say something and I'm going to be getting out soon. But alas, it does not happen and i think uh i mean it's understandable if, you, if you're the cup bearer you are super excited because you just got you, you thought you were going to be in prison potentially even executed and your life is just restored to you and how often when life is going great do we forget about so many different things like when when life is going terribly you know we can be calling out to god god be with me god help me i need your help god and then things start to go well and it's like all right, God, thanks for getting me on the right track. I can take over for me, uh, for, you know, for now, and I can just keep moving that. And we don't think about God continuing to be with us and, and helping us or realizing our reliance upon God when things are going good because we have no problem attributing all the good stuff to ourselves and our hard work or what we deserve. And so this guy gets his life back and forgets about Joseph. Now, as look at this, it does highlight the third day. Uh, and, and, and that, how does that not point us to another third day as we look at Scripture? What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, and, and again, I, I, I know that uh, Dr. Pulse, and I, I believe in his uh, commentary, whenever it comes out, he, he, 
points out a lot of the similarities of, of Joseph and, and Jesus. But we got this idea of, uh, well, being wrongly accused, being in prison, th- this idea of on the third day, also the, the thief saying to Jesus, you know, remember me when you come into your mm-hmm. kingdom. And Jesus does remember him and Jesus does remember us all. He doesn't forget about us. Yet this guy, when Joseph says, remember me, Joseph is forgotten and he is left uh, in prison, but we can know that we are not forgotten. And just though as God was with Joseph throughout all of this, we know that God is with us. And it's easy looking at the story of Joseph because we are, first of all, we know how the story ends, but because we can see God orchestrating these things throughout it, it's easy for us to trust that God is with him then. But how did Joseph feel? And again, in that unspecified period of time, after being thrown into prison, uh, with, you know, again, with that unpleasantness with Potiphar's wife, uh, or however long it was before these men had these dreams, it's not, Joseph didn't have, you know, the book of Genesis to read and say, oh yeah, I see how this all ends or that God was with us. <laughs> and, and it, you know, we can look back on our own lives, I think, sometimes and see God's hand at work. I see God using my desire to go into uh, music education to lead me to go to Concordia River Forest rather than the University of New Mexico. And then God using me while I'm there in the experiences that I've had to lead me to go into the ministry. That doesn't mean that if I had gone to some other university, God still wouldn't have led me there. But right. I see, you know, God guiding me through that. And, it, and it's, it's easy to look back on it and see it. It's a little bit tougher and perhaps more dangerous to say, all right, this thing happened. Well, this is clearly God telling me to go do this or telling me to go do that rather than trying to interpret, okay, why did this, why did I lose my job? Or why did this bad thing happen? Or why did this good thing? Well, this is clearly a sign that God wants me to do X. Uh, Rather than that, just saying, I don't know what is happening or why this is happening, but I do know that God is with me, Mm -hmm. that God has not forgotten me, that I am still in his hand. And whether it's God leading me into a new career or to move, or to make some other huge life choice, I might not know which one it is or which one God is pushing me towards, but I know that in all of this, uh, the youth gathering team, in all things, mm-hmm. uh, God has me in his hands, and uh, and he is with me. And that's a, a wonderful and comforting thought. Pastor Nick Koshman of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Forest Grove, Oregon, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 40. Pastor Koshman, it's been a joy. Thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you so much for having me on again. It is uh, awesome to, to dig into God's word with you. Uh, same to you. So I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner, District President of the, of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.